Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. There was a time in my life when I was pursuing my God, but not out of a desire to really know Him. I was pursuing my God out of a religious attitude. My attitude was that I wanted to become a better person. I decided to go back into my roots of Orthodox Judaism in order to become a better person, in order to become a more respected person in my society, in order to become a contributing member to my society. I wanted to learn a way of life and so that I could be a better person, one who people could respect, one who would bring honor to my family and to the people who were close to me. That was my motivation. I was just simply wanting to become a better person because the kind of person that I was was certainly not a good person at all. But out of this motivation, out of this desire, eventually a question came to mind as I was thinking about the scriptures, as I was thinking about the history of my people, as I was thinking about becoming a great rabbi one day, one who people would speak of for generations perhaps. As I was pursuing this, a very important question came to mind, and that was, who is my God? Who is he really? I don't believe I really know him. I mean, I could say that I knew some things about him. I knew about what he had said. I knew about what he had done. But did I really know him? And the answer was no. I did not really know my God. I didn't even know if there was a God, for sure or not. For some reason, I was questioning even that. To question the existence of God is a very important question. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. And if anybody comes to a point in their life when they do question the existence of God, they should definitely embrace that question and not try to run from it, but to look to see what evidence may exist that would support the reality that there even is a God that we should not run from such a question, but we should look to see if there is enough evidence to convince us personally. Certainly, we cannot subject God to the laws of proof in order to try to prove his existence based on the materials that we have at our disposal, the materials of proof and logic and the evidences that we have and the things that he has created. We, We cannot subject him to a test to see if he even exists. Instead, what we can do is we can look to see if there is enough evidence that convinces us personally that there is a God, and if there is, then we should perhaps consider how important it would be to know who he is. But in asking this question, the thing that really came to mind was that I suppose that if there is a God, there probably is nothing wrong with him. That if there is a God, then there must be something wrong with me because I do not know who he is. And that was an important transition in my own personal life, was discovering that chances are there was something wrong with me, because it was very unlikely that there would be anything wrong with God. And so if there was something wrong with me, then I had better really consider what's wrong, and so that perhaps I might be able to fix that in some way. 
Now, obviously, if there was something seriously wrong with me that I'm looking to fix, it's not necessarily something that I can do, but I would have to rely on my God to assist me in some way. And this is what led me more into the subject of the gospel and the subject of the Messiah. I did believe that Jesus was the Messiah at this point in my life. I believe that. I did believe that on the basis of the prophecies that were given and the fact that he did fulfill the prophecies that had been given. It was obvious. It was a simple argument on the basis of cause and effect or on the basis of prophecy and fulfillment. You can certainly evaluate the prophetic and see what the prophets had to say and see that the Lord Jesus is the only one who fulfilled what the prophets foretold. And, of course, there were many prophecies that had to be fulfilled at the time period that he fulfilled them. There is no one else who will ever be able to come close to fulfilling the prophecies that were given, many of the prophecies that were given. That was it. The time came and went, and either the Lord Jesus is the Messiah or there is no Messiah at all. And if there is no Messiah, then there is no God. And if there is no God, then you might as well just eat, drink, and be merry and just take advantage of whatever you can in this life that you have and use and abuse whoever may come into your path in order to personally benefit as much as possible so that you can enjoy more food or drink or power or whatever you would like to enjoy with whoever. It becomes a life of complete selfishness. But I do believe that there is a God, that there is a Messiah, And so when I considered this, I really considered what might be wrong with me. What was really wrong with me that would lead me to the conclusion that I do not know my God, there is nothing wrong with him, there definitely has to be something wrong with me, so what is it? And so I ended up thinking about the gospel a little bit more, and I ended up reading the scriptures a little bit more, trying to find an answer to this question. And I found that the more that I read through the Bible, the less I understood, the less that I could see There came a point when I looked at the scriptures and I actually closed the book and I put it on my desk and I prayed. And I said, Lord God, I do not know who you are. I do not know what is contained in this book. I do not know what you are wanting to say to me and I don't know what you have done or what you're going to do. I don't really know anything and I can't figure anything out. In fact, I truly can say with great honesty that I do not even know what the gospel really is. I mean, I know that Jesus is the Messiah, but if I was asked the question, what is the gospel, I don't really know how to answer that question. I don't know what I could say with great confidence that would testify of who you are and what you've done. I don't know that. And as I read through your Bible, I don't understand a word of it. And so until you do something, because I am out of options, until you do something in order to make things clear to me, I am simply not going to read your Bible anymore. I'm not going to do anything anymore. I'm not going to study anything. I'm not going to learn anything. I'm not going to continue in the direction that I'm going in. I'm just going to wait and do nothing effectively until you make something clear to me. And then it was a few weeks later. It only took a few weeks before somebody explained to me in detail what the gospel really is. And I didn't understand it completely right away, but it was enough. When the person explained this to me, it was enough in order to at least get me started. And so when I went back into the scriptures to study the scriptures to pursue him again, it then became very clear. But what really made the difference was an understanding of the gospel. An understanding of the gospel not just in the context of who was the Messiah, but an understanding of the problem between myself and my God. And that problem was simply that I was dead in my trespasses and sins, and I needed to be made alive. That through Adam and Eve, sin entered into the world, 
and death as a result of sin. The death that was described was the spiritual death, whereas the presence of God that had been breathed within mankind upon creation was withdrawn, and everyone was born into this world spiritually dead under the burden of sin. And so in understanding that, I could then begin to appreciate that the Lord Jesus died for my sins, but he died for my sins so that he could restore to me the spirit of life that had been lost in Adam, the Holy Spirit, so that I could be resurrected from the dead, become alive to him, and then begin to actually grow in a relationship with my God. When I understood this, I went back into the scriptures, and sure enough, as I was reading through the scriptures, it was as if somebody snuck in and rewrote the Bible on me when I wasn't looking. Because while there were many things that I did not understand, while there were many things that I simply could not relate to, there were many things that I could understand. There were many things that I could relate to. There were verses in the scriptures that became clear, that were illuminated to me whenever the word life would come up, such as in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, you were dead in trespasses and sins, and you have now been made alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. Things like that started to show up They were there before, but now I began to see them. There was a quickening or an illumination that began to take place as the Lord was revealing to me the truth of the scriptures, the truth of what he came to accomplish, the truth of what he did accomplish, and what that would mean to me personally. But what was so interesting was that I eventually acknowledged that my God was actually speaking to me. My God spoke to me because he illuminated something to me that I had never seen before. And that was a very critical moment in my maturity in the faith, was to acknowledge that when I did not understand anything before, and now I understand something today, and it was clear to me that it was my God who revealed that to me, then that said to me that my God had just spoken to me in a very subtle in a very simple way, in a way that I would not be threatened by, in a way that I could certainly appreciate, it was an incredible moment in my life when I realized that my God had actually spoken to me. And so I was encouraged even more to go into the scriptures and see what else he has said in the past, to see the testimony of the apostles and to see what the Lord Jesus said to the disciples as he was conducting his ministry and what those things might have really meant. It was then that I became very enthusiastic about pursuing the Lord, to know what he had said, to know what he had done, to be attentive, to listen to his spirit, to see what he may illuminate to me that I had never seen before. But what I found was, was that I became more concerned with what he said to me than who it was that was actually speaking to me. And I noticed this because there were some friends of mine who I would speak to on occasion, and I would mention to them, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord has said something to me. He has shown me this. And I would open up the Bible, and I would say, look at this verse. Look at this section in the scriptures. Look at these verses here. Look at this chapter there. Look what the Lord has just said to me. I want you to see this. Does this sound like the Lord our God is speaking to us right now? Does this make sense? Does this give us a better understanding of what he has done and what that means to us right now? And I was very excited about that. However, there were others who were not so excited about that. There was somebody who came to me and he said, you know, there are some other people who are overhearing your conversations with these people. And they're saying that this is very troubling because you always say that God is speaking to you. 
Well, they don't even believe that there is a God, but you're all excited about God speaking to you. Don't you realize that you're offending these people? Don't you realize that? And I began to think about it, and I realized that I was more concerned with the revelations that my God was giving to me than I was concerned about who it was that was giving me these revelations. And it wasn't about whether I was offending somebody or not. The Lord used that opportunity in order to explain to me something that was apparently unrelated to how I was witnessing to other people. It didn't really have anything to do with that. It had to do with he and I. It had to do with his relationship with me and my relationship with him. That I was so consumed with wanting to hear from him that I was so consumed with wanting to be enlightened even more that I had forgotten the person who was speaking to me. And that was a very important moment in my personal life when I realized that the objective was not to become a wiser person, that the objective was not to become a more enlightened person, that the objective was not to know the Bible, that the objective was not to have a greater understanding of the Scriptures, that the objective was to actually know my God, that to know Him is the most important thing, regardless of the content or the quantity of things that I may know or understand. This was a very important lesson that he shared with me early on, and so throughout the years of my Christian life, I tried to stay very focused on that important truth, that it was more important to know my God than it was to know the Bible. And so there were times when I would actually avoid reading the Bible even, to just try to live a life of listening to my God. And instead of reading through the scriptures, I would sometimes turn to the circumstances of life and I would just ask him, Lord, what do you think about this? What do you see happening here? What is your perspective about what is being said or what is being done in this situation? Will you give me your view on this? Will you give me your understanding of this? And then I would just simply be quiet and listen very patiently. And on occasion, he would respond. And I knew it was him because there is no way that I could have come up with the kinds of things that he shared with me, the insights and the understandings. And quite often, he had quite a sense of humor about many things as well. But the important thing that I want to communicate to you right now is that this is a way of hearing from the Holy Spirit. That the most important thing is to first, of course, pursue those things that he's already said. But he will provide you with an illumination with regards to the content, with regards to the quality of the content, with regards to the deep meanings that are truly there. And when that happens, I want you to think about the reality first, that your God has actually spoken to you, that he has directly, personally communicated to you something that he wants you to understand, that he wants you to know. And don't take that lightly. You need to seriously think about the reality that there is truly a God who has taken a moment to speak to you and listen to what he has to say. And this is a voice that you will grow accustomed to, that you will come to know. And so when he speaks to you, you will recognize his voice. There will be a recognition because you have heard him before. You know who he is, at least in this small way. But think about not just the enlightenment that is given to you. Try to look into his feelings about what is being said. Think about what he says in context of how he feels or what he sees or what he may think. And so that you may consider who he is as a person. And think of that as having greater importance than the content itself that is transferred between him and you.
There comes a point in most believers' lives, this happened in my life as well, when you start to really appreciate the things that he has actually given to you, either the special knowledge that he has shared, and I don't mean special knowledge as knowledge that no one else can receive. It's just simply an illumination with regards to what he has already said regarding many passages in the scriptures or or regarding the gospel. As this begins to take place, you start taking very seriously the things that he has already given to you in light of what he's done. For example, you really begin to appreciate his patience towards you, and you really begin to appreciate his gentleness towards you and his kindness towards you. That there comes a time when the enthusiasm of discovering that your God is actually sharing things with you starts to subside, but not in a degrading way, but instead it begins to be replaced by the reality that your God actually loves you that he really does accept you. These are deep needs that we all have, that we all share. We have a need for people to be gentle with us and kind to us. We have a need for people to be patient with us. We have a need to be loved. We have a need to be accepted. And as the Lord your God begins to share things with you and you begin to recognize that this is a reflection of his acceptance towards you and that he truly does love you, you begin to really rest in what he has given to you as a result of the forgiveness of your sins that he has executed on your behalf when the Lord Jesus died on the cross. You can really begin to make the connection between the fact that he died for all of your sins and took all of your sins away and what he has now given to you, what he does give to you, how he does relate to you. You begin to really appreciate the connection and there's a breakout moment that tends to occur in most believers' lives when they really begin to walk by the Spirit. They begin to walk in the Spirit. And what I mean by that is that the Spirit has related to them in such a personal way what they have in Christ Jesus, that they actually begin to walk in their daily life with what they already have, with what has been given to them. Whereas the needs that we have are actually met by our God. We enjoy the acceptance that he has for us, and we enjoy the love that he has for us. So that when we walk in our daily life, we're not so much consumed with going into the world trying to get our needs met, but instead we go into the world with what we have been given that has already met our needs. And what we have been given is of such an abundance that we have more than enough to share with whoever we may come in contact with. And so the walking in the Spirit becomes a moment-by-moment living experience of walking in our daily lives with the Spirit who indwells within us, who will never leave us, who gives to us all that we truly need, so that instead of engaging the world with what we hope to obtain, we engage the world with the abundance of what we have to reach out to those who are around us, to be of service to others if necessary or if the situation is appropriate. But what is more important is that through our interactions with other people, through our interactions with the world that we are a part of, there will be an opportunity for us to share with others what our God has shared with us. And what I mean by that is his love, his acceptance, whereas we can accept and love other people, we can honor and respect other people with the fullness of what he has given to us, with the love, the acceptance, the honor and respect that he has given to us. Forgiveness is probably the most important relational quality that he has given to us that we will apply in our daily lives For example, all of us have experienced a great deal of suffering and loss in our lives. There are many people who have hurt us. There are many people who have violated us. And as a result of that, we have a wonderful opportunity to forgive them. 
However, the forgiveness that we have is is of no value whatsoever. We can forgive somebody in our own enthusiasm or out of our own desire to be holy or religious or righteous. But that is so empty. It is so meaningless. And it shows itself in time when we start being angry towards that person again or the thought comes up of what they had done to us and we experience a, a great deal of fear and anger as a result of that and frustration and the issue of forgiveness comes up once again. That's the kind of forgiveness that we can offer that is definitely not the forgiveness of God. But certainly as we rest and trust in the forgiveness that our God has given to us, we begin to truly appreciate the reality that sin was so evil, it was so incredibly evil, that there was nothing that we could possibly do in order to compensate God for the suffering that we caused, either to Him or to His people or to the world that He has created. Either way... We acknowledge that it really is that evil, and so the only forgiveness that our God could provide for us is a forgiveness that just simply puts it all aside, and he no longer requires us to compensate him for the loss that we caused as a result of our sin. And when we walk in that, when we truly live our lives enjoying that, we then have something to give others, which is a true forgiveness, a forgiveness of God. And that is the forgiveness that we give to others which is to no longer hold their sins against them because there is certainly nothing that they can do to compensate us for the sin that they committed. It certainly is that evil. And so all we can do is forgive them with the forgiveness that we have received from our God. This is an important moment that we experience as a believer. And when this happens, this is truly an opportunity to embrace not only what our God has given to us, but to embrace him more as a person in a way that we could have never truly appreciated before. And when this became real in my own life, I began to truly appreciate the words of Jesus, especially the words that he gave us in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16. This is John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, where Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I could definitely say that before I understood the gospel, before I knew anything about my God, there was no way that I could say that I knew him. But over time, as I was growing in the reality of what he shared with me, as I grew in the truth that he conveyed to me in the life circumstances that I was confronted with, And as he shared with me the reality of what he had given to me in light of what he had done for me, I began to know him, and I began to truly appreciate the restoration of his presence within me, so that he could speak to me in the very core of my spirit, relating to me and teaching me and guiding me in the truth that would actually set me free. And this was a personal experience that I had with him and that I continue to have with him. This is different for everyone. However, the truth will always remain the same. How he communicates that truth will, of course, be unique to the individual. But the truth of who he is, what he has done, how he truly loves us, how he accepts us, and how he relates to us is certainly the same for everyone. In addition to John chapter 14, I also began to truly appreciate what he said in John chapter 16. Verse 7, where it says in John chapter 16, verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. 
but if I go, I will send him to you. And then continuing in verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. It is his description of receiving from the living God and giving to us out of the abundance of what he has. He will give to us all that we can make use of, all that we can apply. And this is something that you can truly appreciate after you have grown to discover some of the simple things that he has given to you and you have made use of some of those things that he has given to you. It is then that your life, that your relationship with your God, your life becomes nothing more than your relationship with your God. It becomes an experience of discovering more of what he has already given to you with the expectation and with the anticipation that you will apply in your daily experience what he has given, what he has shared with you. And so your life begins to dramatically change, as mine did. My life began with the question of, is there a God? But now, this is of course no longer a question that is remotely within my mind, but instead, what has he really given to me? What can I really enjoy right now that he has already given to me that I can apply in my daily experience? And in the end, I'm no longer consumed with how I'm going to engage this world to experience any sense of peace in my own heart, but instead, the peace that I have is a peace that he has given to me because he has personally met the deepest needs of my heart. And so my life is nothing more than a life of living, my daily life, with peace and rest, that which he has given to me. Hear from the Holy Spirit of the abundance of what he has given to you and how you can apply that in the world that you are part of and in the ministry that he is conducting. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net